There was a lady named Lisa who was 34 years old when she finally decided that she had had enough with the habits that were in her life. By the way, um, we have some in the back who are still trying to find space. If you wouldn't mind, would some of you who have spaces in the middle, would you just scrunch in toward the middle to open up some seats this morning? That would be great. And as you're doing that, just kind of lift your hand so that some who are in the back would be able to find a spot. Um, So as I said, Lisa was 34 years old. When she decided that the habits in her life, she was just done with. And she wanted to do something about them. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Lisa. Lisa was a chain smoker. And she was a drinker since she was 16 years of age. Lisa struggled with obesity. She had collections agencies hounding her all the time. She had over $10,000 of debt that she had defaulted on. And her resume showed that she hadn't held down a job consistently for longer than a year. All these were habits that Lisa wanted to change, but she heard that voice in her head that said, I can't. Remember we talked about that last week? So Lisa found herself in Cairo, Egypt, of all places, uh, partly because she had made a rash decision to go on a vacation. You see, her husband had just left her a few days before, had walked out on her marriage, on their marriage, just couldn't deal with the habits in her life anymore. And so she decided to just jump on a plane and go to Cairo. She woke up to the sound of Muslims having a call to prayer before dawn. And she reached over on the nightstand to try to grab a cigarette to light it. When instead she grabbed an ink pen and lit it instead of a Marlboro. And after four months of crying and binge eating and feeling depressed and angry, she just said, you know what, that's the last straw. I'm sick of this. She knew she needed to change her habits. She didn't want to make excuses anymore. But sometimes she would think to herself, these habits, they've been in my life for over half of my life. How in the world can I ever change them? Now, today we're wrapping up a series of messages called Creatures of Habit. And we've been talking about how to make our habits reflect the lives, reflect the way we want to live our lives. And I started this whole series, um, and for those of you who have been coming in the last couple of weeks, hopefully you received one of these little creatures. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you to grab one of these before you leave today. And I want to explain to you what this this little thing is about. Uh, We talked about how in this series, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, In Christ we are new creatures. The old is past and new has come. But we've also talked about how we're all, every one of us, we're creatures of habit. They're almost half of the things we do on a daily basis, we just do on autopilot. We do by habit. And the goal is to figure out how we can change our creature of habit into a new creature, one that reflects Christ. And so I gave each one of you one of these creatures and encouraged you to write on the back of it that habit or two that you want to change in your life this year. Maybe it's a habit that you want to build into your life that's never been there before. Like maybe it's having a personal time with God every single day. Or maybe maybe it was to get rid of a habit. Um, whatever it was, I encourage you to write it on here and to take this little booger home and find a prominent place for it in somewhere in your house or your car to remind yourself that you're a new creature in Christ. Now, Again, if you haven't done it, make sure you grab one of these before you leave today and write your, the habit that you're going to change on the back of it. But I've just been, I just have to tell you, <laughs> I've been so encouraged by what I've heard here over the last few days, as some of you have shared with me what God's been doing in you. Um, one person said they took their creature of habit and they glued it to the dashboard of their car to remind themselves every time they got in their car that they're a new creature in Christ. You know, for some of us who deal with speeding a little bit too much, and if that's the habit you want to change, 
Great place to put it is on your dash, let me tell you. My little rubber ducky is right there. Um, I also had one person say to me, you know what, I've been, I've been wanting to go on a diet, and it's just those late night snacks that just keep getting to me, so my creature of habit is stuck on the door of my fridge. Every time I go in there and I start to open that door, I remind myself I'm a new creature in Christ, and I shut it. I had one lady, she said, Dave, this series has helped me so much because there are so many habits, she said, in my life that I want to change. And I have just heard, told myself over and over again, I can't. She said, I've, I've looked at other people and saw maybe they just have more willpower than I do. I, I just don't have it. I can't. And she said, I have hope now when I look at Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm like, yes, absolutely. Some of you have been sharing with me how um, this 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 community Bible experience is going to be you turning a new leaf in your life and that this is going to strengthen a habit in your life that you've wanted to be there for years. And some, some of you are really anticipating what God's going to do over these next 40 days as you open up this new chapter in your life where you're spending time in God's presence, reading His Word and allowing God to speak into you. Now, as we start this, uh, this community Bible experience, I thought it would be most appropriate this morning to talk with you about how to plan to fail. Like this. Yes, you heard me right. How to plan to fail. Let me explain. Lisa, that morning in Cairo, when she tried to smoke in her ink pen, she decided that she was going to change her life. No more excuses. You know what she decided to do? Do you think she decided to stop smoking? Or to hire a fitness coach? No. She decided that she was going to trek across the desert in Egypt. Now, if you look at Lisa, you might say, she's going to do what? <laughs> she's going to hike across the entire desert in Egypt? I mean, Dave, she's doomed to fail. But lying in her bed that morning as that call to prayer took place and she tried to light her ink pen on fire, she broke down. And this is what she said. She said, it was like this wave of sadness. I felt like everything I had ever wanted had crumbled. I couldn't even smoke right, she said. And then I started thinking about my ex-husband and how hard it would be to find another job when I got back and how much I was going to hate it and how healthy I fe- unhealthy I felt all the time. I got up and knocked the- over the water jug and it shattered on the floor and I started crying again even harder. I felt desperate. Like I had to change something, at least one thing that I could control. So naturally, she just decided to hike across Egypt, right? Actually, yes. She realized that she needed a goal in her life and something that she could work toward. She didn't even know what the name of the desert was that she was looking at when she walked out of her hotel and decided she was going to do this trek across Egypt. She just knew in that moment... For the first time in her life, she knew she needed a plan to do the things that she wanted to do. She couldn't just complain about it. She couldn't make excuses. She needed a plan, something that would motivate her, something that would feel rewarding to her, something that would motivate her to drop all those creature habits that had haunted her for so many years. So she started learning just a few simple principles about how to change a habit. And she went after her old creature of habit. She started changing her routines and rewarding herself along the way. As we talked about last week, about how you know, we have to reward ourselves in order for those habits to stick. She, she learned that and she started building that into her life. And listen to what she did. 
She started by deciding she was going to change her diet, and she did. She changed her diet, and then she realized she needed to start sleeping right, and she did. She dropped 65 pounds in a matter of months. And this started a domino effect in her life. As she changed one habit, it motivated her to change another and another and another. And this is something that a lot of researchers have written about, this domino effect once you start changing habits. And uh, she stopped smoking and she replaced it with running because she learned that just saying, I'm not going to smoke anymore wasn't going to work. But if she replaced that, that cue with a different routine, it would lead to something she wanted. She started saving money for her trip to Egypt because she was convinced she was going to have this trek across Egypt, like it or not. She was going to make herself do it. So all the money that she used to spend on junk food and booze and cigarettes went into her fund to go to Egypt. One by one, she focused on these habits. She then found a good job and she was determined, this one I'm not going to let go. And she started chipping away at her debt until she eliminated all the debt that she had from her past. Over a four-year period. And one year later, one year after sitting there and trying to smoke her ink pen in that hotel in Cairo, she was back in Egypt trekking across the desert. What was the secret to Lisa's success? Very simple. For the first time in her life, she had a plan. This was Lisa four years after she started. Can you, imagine, can you believe that? I mean, she doesn't even look like the same person. She now runs marathons because she enjoys it. (laughs) Now, Lisa's story is pretty cool, and it speaks to what I need to share with you this morning about planning to fail. Here is what I want to share with you. This is so simple. Hopefully, this won't just stick in your minds today, but you'll be thinking about this same little principle for months, months down the road. Here's Here's what we're looking at today. People who fail to plan, they plan to fail. Isn't that true? I mean, think about it. If you fail to put together a plan for the things that you want most in life, chances are you might as well just plan to fail because it's not going to happen. You've had the thoughts of things that you want to change in your life and they haven't happened. And Until we make a plan, we just as well plan to fail. The Bible speaks to this very clearly. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5, Scripture says this. this. This verse is so powerful. This is the only verse I want us to focus on this morning. We don't need to look at a whole section. We just need to look at this one. Look at what it says. It says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. Think about that. If ever there were a life verse for Lisa, or for many of us who struggle with changing habits in our lives, it's this one. In fact, this morning, I want you to, why don't you repeat this with me? Let's, let's read this together one more time. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. In other words, those who were not thoughtful, those who don't plan on how to make changes in their lives, those who never get beyond hopeful wishes and empty promises, those are the people who plan to fail. As crazy as the plan was that Lisa had, it was a plan. A plan that she got serious about figuring out how to rewrite the habits in her life, one habit at a time. Now, the book of Proverbs speaks to this sort of thing all over the place. It's not just in this one passage. The book of Proverbs is full of nuggets of wisdom like this. Proverbs speaks in a number of places to the importance of planning and being diligent in these areas of our lives in ways that would honor God. Look at finances, for example. Proverbs speaks to that. 
It says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands, there's that word again, diligent hands bring wealth. Or if you're looking at physical health, look at what it says in Proverbs. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Now, with spiritual habits, we see throughout the Gospels that Jesus figured out how to build these into his life, even at an early age. And when we look at the, when we look at the book of Luke, which is the book, first book we're going to be reading starting tomorrow, we'll actually read through the entire book of Luke over this first week together. At the very beginning of Luke, we see the story of Jesus' birth. But the very next story about, of Jesus it jumps ahead to when he was age 12. Some of you, maybe you remember this story. And I wish I, could, I wish I knew a little bit more about this story than what Luke tells because it just boggles my mind as a parent how in the world a parent loses their kid for as long as they did. But the story goes in, in Luke 3 that Mary and Joseph, they were getting ready to leave Jerusalem. There was this big festival that had taken place there. And they just assumed that Jesus was with them in the crowd on the way, their way home. And eventually they're out of town they realize, hey, Joseph, you got Jesus? No, Mary, I thought you had him. And they realize he's not there. And they spend three days trying to find this kid. Three days. I mean, the Amber Alerts are going off. You know, everybody's around town trying to figure out where the heck Jesus is. They finally end up going to the temple and they find him there. And you can just imagine the look on Mary's face at this point, right? She's like, Jesus. <laughs> right? <laughs> what were you thinking? Where have you been? And what's so interesting about this story is Jesus is, Jesus is like surprised at 12 years old. She, he looks at his mom and is like, Mom, didn't you know where I'd be? I mean, where else would you think I'd be other than in my father's house? You see... Jesus had created such a habit in his life of being in his father's house that he just assumed mom and dad would, oh, well, that would be, should be the first place you check. Right? By age 12, he had figured out how to build this habit into his life. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, it actually says that it was Jesus' custom to be in church every Sunday or every Sabbath and to read the Bible. It was just built in. He had intentionally decided, I'm building this into my life. In Luke chapter 22, it speaks to Jesus' uh, value of building in the habit of praying on a, on a daily basis. And you see that in that chapter of Luke as well. You know, I can't imagine finding myself in a place like Lisa found herself in a few years ago with that many bad habits that she needed to break. But am I right to say this morning that it's not just me, but that every one of us have at least a habit or two that we'd like to add or change in our lives? Is that a fair statement to say? I mean, how about, how about spiritual habits in particular? Have you ever felt discouraged or even weary in trying to spend that daily personal time with God? You just feel frustrated with yourself and just kind of want to give up? I mean, you might not want to say that out loud at least to someone else, but if you were honest, we, we, we would, we, I think we could all admit it. There are times in our lives where we just see that spending of that personal time with God each day as a chore rather than as a gift. It's, a, it's another task that we need to accomplish to check off of our list for the day. And we might even wonder how others actually do it every single day. We don't seriously plan to have God every day in our lives. And if we do, we don't plan on it actually being meaningful or rewarding. And because of that, it doesn't last. When we fail to plan to get what we want out of a habit like this, what happens? We plan to fail. 
You know, for a long time in my life, I felt this way myself. I mean, I, I remember growing up and learning in church as a kid that you, know, you need to spend time in the Word every day. And, and I heard the word need rather than you want to. And so it became just a, a task that I felt like I had to do every day. And I would, even as a teenager, I would diligently do it, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. And I'd do it for a while and then I'd quit and then I'd get back on the pattern of doing it again and I'd quit. And what I realized later as an adult was the piece that was missing is there was no plan. It was just get it done, get it done. But I didn't go into it saying, I'm literally going to spend a few minutes in the presence of the living God. What do I want to get out of that time? What kind of plan do I want so that this isn't just something that I check off of a list, but this is, this is the highlight of my day. And that moment when that plan is put in place, everything will start to change in your life and mine. Whether it's a habit of reading scripture or dieting or exercise or you know, being more encouraging or cussing less or whatever it might be. Today, I don't want any one of us to leave here with just hopeful wishes and empty promises that we're going to do this community Bible experience and we'll make it to the end. If all you leave here with is hopeful wishes and empty promises, guess what? By the end of this first week, you're going to be raising the white flag and you'll be ready to quit. I want you to do something with me this morning. I want you to begin formulating in your mind a plan. I want you to come up with a plan of how I'm going to spend this time so that I get everything out of it I want. Can we do that this morning? Let's let's figure out what a game plan looks like for us this morning to get us through the toughest moments. And after 40 days, I believe that if we do this, we're going to actually create a habit in our lives. A habit that isn't going to just be cool for us for 2017, but something that will literally change the trajectory of our lives for the rest of our lives once that habit is put into place. So, uh, inside your programs this morning, I'm going to kind of just spend a few minutes with this before I wrap up today. Um, You'll notice that there's a little sheet in there at the top that says, Make a Plan. I spent some time this this past week or two just kind of thinking through some things in my life that I have tried to do that I could share with you and just kind of boil it down. And I want to encourage you to stick this in your Bible and um, maybe come back and look, look at it later this week. But I'm just going to hit on some of the highlights of this to give you some thoughts about... If you want to create a plan in your life for how to have daily time with God that is meaningful and that is predictable and that is life-changing, some of those basic things that you might do to make sure it's there. The first one that I had there is scheduling it. Now, for you, that might mean literally taking out your phone and plugging God in and just saying, for this half hour every day as I begin CBE, this half hour is sacred. Nothing's going to get planned in that time. As you schedule it, maybe it's for you, it's thinking through where is that half hour block in my day that I can predictably do it the same time every day and be more guaranteed of success than any other time. For you, maybe it's at the end of the day. Maybe for you, if if you don't have anyone living at home, it's right after you get home from work. Or maybe it's for you during your lunch break. Um, Maybe it's not for you. But when is that time for you that you know that you can consistently do it? Because here's the thing. What, we've, what research has found is the more we consistently do the same thing at the same time, at the same place, the more that habit gets ingrained in our minds until we get on autopilot with it. For me, a great example of this was, uh, you know, last, my, uh, my, I have an assistant here at, at Grace that just basically covers all the time for me. That, her name's Janet. Some of you know Janet. And uh, 
one of the things that as I, last year as I was trying to build in the habit of being faithful at going to the gym and getting my exercise habit uh, established, you know, I had talked with the gym and I found out that this one gym I go to, they said that in the mid-afternoons during the week, that's the time when the least number of people are there. And I thought, well, that's the time I want to be there because I want everybody seeing me doing things wrong. <laughs> Right? Have you ever felt that way when you first start? So, like, I want to be there with, when nobody's around. And I'm certainly not going to get up at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's just stupid. I'm, I, I'm not doing that. But 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I can do that. So I, I did the right things. You know, I pulled out my phone and I, I scheduled it in. Now, I'm going to be at the gym during, you know, from 2 to 3 o'clock or three, 3 to 4 o'clock each day. And I'll come back to work and finish my day. And here's what happened. It was a plan. It was a good plan. But I would get to three, my phone would start pinging 30 minutes beforehand, and I'm like, oh shoot, I'm right in the middle of this project. I can't leave. I'll do it tomorrow. Right? And then the next day it happened, same thing happened, and the next day. And Janet was like, this ain't working for you, obviously. Find another time. Yeah, you're right. And that's what it's all about. If you try something that doesn't work, find the time that you know can consistently every day be that right time. Find us time, but also. The second point, claim your turf. Find a place. This may seem kind of silly to you, but there is something to this that research has found about having a time and a place to do the habits consistently, to do building the habits you want. And so maybe you will just find your little spot in your house or at the office where you can be away consistently each day and make that your place. That will go so far into getting you where you want to be. Maybe for you, it's a place that eliminates all distractions. It's a place where you don't have the the TV in the background distracting you from what you're trying to do. If you have a smartphone, you know, maybe it's just regardless of what time of day it is, it's putting your phone on airplane mode or do not disturb or whatever you call it so that there's no notifications pinging at you telling you the next cool thing that's happening on Facebook right now, right? Or the next email from your office that's telling you something you need to take care of and you just want to keep breaking away from it. Just shut it off. One of the things that I'm excited about through this community Bible experience, particularly those of you who are smart enough to have uh, Apple devices instead of Android, right? No, 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 you know, no judgment there. But if you do, um, the, you can go into your app store and type in, in the Apple app store and type in community Bible experience. They actually have an app for Apple for all the iOS devices that is phenomenal. And as you start tomorrow, I encourage you to download it. You can read the scripture each day there. You can actually listen to it there. It has the video for the day there as well. You can actually, as you're reading, highlight and take notes. And then when you get to your your book club the following week, you can pull up my notes for the week and it'll just show you all the notes that you typed so that you can interact with others in your book club that night and remind yourself of what you were reading. Awesome app. I encourage you to get it. The third thing I share with you is to start small. You know, um, for some of you, doing if this is the first time you've done something like this, the first time you've committed to an ongoing daily time with God, just having that 25 to 35 minutes a day where you're reading God's Word or listening to it will be enough challenge for you. You, you may have in mind, you know what, Dave, I want to I wanna make this the way I've always worn it. I want to journal and I want to read and I want to memorize Scripture. And you've got this long list of things. I just want to encourage you. What if, it, what if you just spent each morning starting time with God and praying for a minute or two? God, bless my time. I ask that you would speak to me. God, I ask that you would open up your word to me and help me see what it is that you want me to see today. And you just do that and you read for 30 minutes. And that's it. Because once you build that habit into your life, once that becomes consistent, then you can start adding to it 
and making it more of what you want it to be. And I also encourage you to just make it your way. You know, make that time with God the way you want it to be. You know, sometimes when, when you're trying to start a habit, you, can, you, might, you might want to ask friends and people that you know who have that habit, say, how do you do it? And try to copy that. And sometimes that works. You might find some people who are doing their time with God one way. and It's like, oh, I want to make it that way myself. But that may not work for you. I've had some people tell me that one of the things that they like to do when they have their daily time with God is to just take one or two verses and they read it over and over and over again over a long period of time that morning so that they are able to memorize it in their minds and that becomes their verse of the day. And I'm like, huh, that is great for you. Doesn't work for me. Tried it, doesn't work for me. But I can get in my little corner of my closet early every morning and because everyone else is asleep, I can read and I can actually talk back to God out loud because it works for me, right? And, and that, that's, that's my plan. But what I just want to encourage you is figure out over these 40 days what works best for you regardless of what other people may or may not do and stick with that. The fifth thing I want to share with you, and this may sound a little childish and simplistic to you, but just let that go. This is really important. Track your progress and reward yourself. I'm dead serious. <laughs> this, don't underestimate this. All the research has shown when it comes to building habits into your life, and we talked about this last week, that you need three things to build a habit, right? Some of you who were here last week, you remember this. Remember what they were? Cue, routine, and reward. Cue, routine, and reward. And if you missed last Sunday, go on to the Grace Tucson website and you can actually hear that message. But if you, do, if you leave out one of those three elements, you won't be able to build a habit the way you need to. Now, that reward, it may be something, it, it doesn't have to be big. It can be just something very simplistic but immediate. Like I said, for me last week, I shared with you, I just need a little piece of chocolate in, with my gym clothes when I go to the gym. And that, having that piece of chocolate when I'm done, I'm actually looking forward and all the pain I'm putting myself through, that I'm going to have that dark chocolate when I'm done. That's enough for me. And so it may be something physical like that. But it may be something that's not even... It may be something mental. I mean, let me share this with you. Even if you have an Android device, which, you know, you're welcome to do that if you want. But whether you, you have an Android or an iPhone device, you can go into your app store and just type in the word habits sometime and see what comes up. Over these last few years, as all this groundbreaking research has been done on habits, what they have realized is for a lot of us, that reward piece... All it needs to be is something on your phone that reminds you that's your cue to do your habit and a reward where you push the button that says, I did it, and it says, congratulations. And you may think, oh, that's so silly, that's so stupid. You know how they figured that out? Because of Facebook and these other social media sites where that like button, and you, you put something on there and you keep wanting to go back and check how many people liked it. There's this little dopamine hit that happens, and it's just enough to build that habit in your life of constantly going back to Facebook. And they figured out... Why don't we do that with habits? Give people the tool that they need to be able to have that cue, routine, and reward and build in their lives. And so for me, I actually started doing this myself this last year. There's this little app I downloaded from the iPhone store called, um, uh, what was it? It's called um, Streaks is the name of it. And that little Streaks thing, show, and this is, this is what it shows me every morning. There's six things I'm trying to do in my life. I'm trying to spend time in scripture. I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to do a 5K I'm trying to drink 40 ounces of water because I've always been bad about that. My wife keeps telling me to encourage and to sleep seven hours a day and not cheat that. And so every time I do one of these, I push that circle and it lights up. And, you know, last night I got all six of them done. I was totally excited about that. But as you can see, some days are better than others. 
But something as simple as that, if you try it, it may be all it takes for you to build that habit into your life. To just know once a day, I want to make sure I've gotten those six things done or those two things done that I want to do. Next thing I want to share with you is this. There is strength in numbers. There is strength in numbers. No matter what the habit is that you want to build into your life, it forms more quickly and it lasts much longer when you choose to build a layer of accountability into your life. It could be as simple as deciding with this new habit that you want to form to do it along with a friend. And you guys, you just check in with each other once a week and check in and find out how's it going. One of the awesome parts about the community Bible experience that I'm really excited about is this, this book club aspect of what we're doing. You see, it's not just some, we're not just doing these book clubs once a week just to fill your time. We're doing it because in part we know that building in that habit works so much more effectively when there's that simple layer of accountability built in. When, there, when you kind of know as you're kind of working through your readings each week and you might be getting a little bit behind to just kind of push through that and to finish those readings knowing that, hey, I'm going to be at my book club this next week and I want to be able to share something that I've gotten from my experience. I want to encourage you, don't see that as a negative thing. See that time in book club as a positive thing to just kind of help push you a little bit harder to motivate you to make that habit form in your life. A couple of final things. Uh, no plan is sacred or perfect. You might do this, uh, this CBE thing over the next 40 days and be done with it and say, you know, Phew, Dave, that was great. That was some experience. I managed to get through all 40 days, but I've realized reading that much scripture every day is not for me. I need smaller pieces, and I want to actually just focus on maybe a chapter a day and just reading that chapter two or three times rather than reading so much. That's great. Whatever works for you, it doesn't have to be perfect, but do that. Maybe you, just, maybe you try this for a while and you're like, you know what, Dave, that 6 a.m. thing, that may work for some people. That didn't work for me. That's fine. Make an adjustment. Figure out what do you need to do, how do you need to do it so that it works best for you. Because no plan is sacred. You can change it. It's not going to ever be perfect. And lastly, I want to encourage you with this. Plan to fail. Plan to fail. You know, there was, there's a statement that one pastor made once that I heard months ago, and it just really stuck with me. I, it, I think it was so appropriate. He said, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Let me say that again. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent permanent. In other words, you're going to mess up from time to time. Even after you do this, say, for a year, there's going to come a time when you're on vacation or something happens and you get off of your routine and you just kind of go off the rails of what you're doing. You're never going to be perfect at it. You can do something for 10 years and you can still fall out of the routine. But the more you do it, the more permanent it becomes in your life and the easier it is once you fall off to get right back on again. You'll never be perfect at it. Don't even try to be. But you can make your habit permanent by consistently going back and saying, yeah, I failed again, but I'm going right back to it again. Nothing's going to stop me. Get back to it. You know, I don't think it will surprise many of you today to hear me say this. We live in a world today that is rapidly losing touch with the God of the Bible. And we're losing touch with a profound, life-changing experience with God in the process. That's why I am so excited about the Community Bible Experience as we launch it tomorrow. Take a look at this. 
we're in some serious trouble in terms of Bible engagement. And all of the experts pretty much agree on that. We have more Bibles than at any point in human history. We have more ways to access the Bible. But the sad truth is, every day, 700 people give up reading the Bible. The tragedy isn't in the numbers. The tragedy is seeing people's lives that are falling apart. I open up the Bible, and I don't want to open it again for a long, long time. Who does? When you look at some of the ways we approach the Bible, we set ourselves up for failure in a lot of ways. For starters, we tend to read in fragments rather than the whole thing. We, we subscribe to verse of the day emails. We read a verse here or a chapter there, just a little nugget to get us through the day. And perhaps the most significant is that we've become accustomed to reading the Bible in isolation. Community Bible experience is about changing the way we engage the scriptures. It's an eight-week journey through the New Testament in community, and it starts with a different kind of Bible. When people received their books of the Bible, they were kind of skeptical of it, to be honest. This is not your everyday Bible. There are no chapter and verse numbers. There's no cross-references or study notes. The book order is a little different. For example, the letters of Paul, instead of just listing them from longest to shortest, we've arranged them in chronological order. But once people got into the rhythm and the flow of just reading the text, of letting it wash over them, they saw things in a different way. Something in my heart just switched, and on and on and on it went, and it was Jesus loves Polya. I found myself looking at the entirety of the story of the New Testament, being drawn back in. It just gave people a thirst. I didn't realize that I can read the whole New Testament so quickly like that. There's so much to say about having accountability when reading the Word of God. This is about igniting a worldwide renewal of Bible engagement. It is brilliant in its simplicity and it's brilliant in calling us back. It's transformed the way that people are living. It's transformed uh, marriages and homes and families and that's really I think my heart why I love this experience why we'll be doing this experience again because we've seen time and time again that products sometimes you win sometimes you lose but you never lose with God's Word you always win guys when you think about it what we are about to embark on is pretty incredible few hundred people here at Grace getting ready together to read the New Testament. I mean, imagine, just think about this for a minute. Imagine what God can do and what God will do as each one of us carve out that time every day for 40 days to be in God's Word. Imagine how your life might change even over 40 days by reading through the entire New Testament and allowing God to speak. Imagine how this church will change knowing so many people are doing this together. How will we change as a community? How will we grow? How will we become the creatures of habit that Christ intended us to be, the new creatures that he intends us to be in him? As we wrap up our time this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to ask if you would to stand with me. 
I want you to stand and I want you to ask you to reach out and grab the hand of someone next to you. If you don't know them, don't worry about it. (laughs) It's okay. I want us to embark on something. I want us to consecrate what we are about to do together as a larger community. Because what we're doing is pretty special. I want to ask that God would bless your lives, all of us, as we do this together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I am so thrilled with what you're doing here at Grace. I am so thrilled that so many of us, almost all of us, have made this decision to get into our Bibles and to read starting tomorrow through this community Bible experience. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room who are still on the fence and wondering if we can do it. Lord, that you just inspire us to go to that table before we leave today in the corner and sign up and to get the materials we need. And Lord, as we begin this experience, Lord, as we're, as we're going through this ourselves, we pray that you would make us mindful of our friends and those that we love and care about who are going through this as well. We pray that we would be an encouragement to them, just as they are an encouragement to us to stick with this, to stick with our readings, to stick with our time in our community and, and book club and allowing you to do the work that only you can do in our lives. Lord, we anticipate that this won't just be one more thing we do this year. We anticipate that this may be the defining moment of our year. The time when you just kind of take the lid off, the spiritual lid off in our lives and allow us to truly flourish and grow in ways that we've never seen before in our lives. Lord, we expect to see great things as a result of spending this time with you, knowing that you are the source of life, that everything that is good and perfect, it comes from you. And Lord, we pray that we will hear your voice loudly and clearly as we spend time reading your word. In Jesus' name, amen.